You're listening to an irreverent podcast. For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm. Hey friends, welcome to the Speaking in Church podcast. As per usual, I'm Josie, and today we are joined by my new friend, Jason Eichler, who has been nothing but patient with me and all of my technical issues. <laughs> Hi, Jason. We're working through it. It's good. Thanks for having me. Yes, um, we we're supposed to do this yesterday, and then my dogs decided to show fleas, and I panic shaved their asses. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't know that. I didn't know there was a flea situation. Yeah, I get weird with fleas um, because I just they sleep in my bed and, and I have a lazy boy that I plan on keeping forever. So I was just like shaving and then Dawn dish soap bath. It was intense. You, but you know, when somebody says like head lice or fleas, now I'm like itching. <laughs> I know, over. I know. I feel like well, Jason, we are here to talk about your cool new endeavor, um, a documentary that you're working on. Yes, um, it's called Safe for the Whole Family, How to Make a Christian Superstar. Ugh. And it's about the contemporary Christian music industry in like the late 90s, early 2000s. That is the prime of it all, if you ask me. Um, I missed everything before that because I grew up in the Latin church. So I just listen to old shitty Latin music, Christian music. Um, and then my dad, who loves music, was like, look at this Toby Mac CD that I just got his first album. Isn't it so sick? Wait, <laughs> my first album was Jackie Valeska's. Did, oh, they, did oh, they listen to that in the Latin oh church? Oh, my gosh. Like they, should. they did. I mean, she was what they were trying to make Selena be Christian kind of a vibe. Mm -hmm. And when I was little, I was like, I had really dark hair and it was always really long and light. And my family were musicians. So I would sing in church like, oh, my gosh, she's like a little Jackie Velasquez. I was like, oh, gosh, thanks. <laughs> Wait, I sang a Jackie Velasquez song in church with, it was her duet. She had a duet with Luis Fonsi, like Despacito, oh, Justin Bieber, yes. Luis Fonsi, Come As yep. You Are. I did it, did it as a special music in Sunday Night Church. I was Absolutely. trying to find the video for this, um, but it is missing, unfortunately. Oh my gosh. If you ever find it, let me know, because that, that song slaps. And hearing Luis Fonsi on it is just like such a weird situation like it's so random it's so incestuous i know it's funny i've been i tell everybody i'm like my spotify like wrapped at the end of this year is going to be so weird because i've been listening to like old avalon mm. and plus one and just like all not the plus throwbacks. one. Oh my god i had their little they had a documentary dvd and i'm pretty sure my parents still own it <laughs> i have it i have it i've i went home when i was when i started on this and like went through all the old bookshelves <laughs> i've got mm -hmm. an old plus one an old stacy rico dvd just oh, yeah. so many good so many good ones oh my gosh well tell us a little bit about the documentary like what is the vibe yeah so it's um i grew up in the church and so i came out i'll tell you like the full story of why i got into it i guess but i came out in college and sort of like stopped going to church i think like a lot of queer people you feel like oh relatable <laughs> myself for church um and I've always like that music always holds sort of a special place in my heart because it's like I was listening to it when I was in like sixth and seventh grade when your brain is forming. And I feel like we're talking a lot in culture about like how do we treat young women in the 90s or like 
looking back at like the Britneys and the Parises and the mm-hmm. Lindsays of the world. And so I was like, I wonder what that was like for the Christian artist at the time. And so I honestly just started DMing all the people I grew up listening to on Instagram and they all responded. Um, so we've got Michael Passons from Avalon, Jennifer Knapp, Nate Cole from Plus One, uh, Lee Nash from Six Months None the Richer, Matt Thiessen from Reliant K, Nikki Leonti, Chanel Haynes from Trinity 5-7, Crystal Lewis, Derek Webb, just like a bunch of like Christian A-listers. And they were all honestly like really cool and down to chat. And then I'm like, do you want to make a movie? And they're like, yeah. And so I started this in February and we're launching the teaser now, but it's it's been moving really fast. Um, and we're sort of telling, we're focusing on the 90s, early 2000s, A, because that's the era I grew up in, but that was when it was like, sort of at its peak it was bringing in like a billion dollars mm. in revenue a year which is wild because I think when you're as like an audience member it was always like oh this is a ministry <laughs> these yeah. are people serving the Lord not like oh this is a multi-billion dollar business so that was interesting to get into it um but sort of after that is when streaming hits and the worship movement hits and so it's definitely not what it once was but that time is interesting because all the major labels had bought up the independent Christian labels. And so mm-hmm. it really was like a proper business. And then one of the things we get into in the doc is sort of like as contemporary Christian music grows, sort of like far right political activists then see that as an opportunity to use these artists as the faces of their movement. And so if you look at like the Bush administration was donating a million dollars a year to the True Love Waits campaign who would then go out to like a Jennifer Knapp or a Nikki Leonti and say, will you write a song for us? Or will you talk about this? And that was happening with like, see you at the poll. Um, Or even like teen mania had a whole like prop eight campaign. So it sort of became very entangled for these artists. And I think what was interesting about talking to the artists is most of them didn't have any idea. Like they were like kids that grew up like us that are like, if you wanted to be a musician and you grow up in the church, you want to become a Christian musician. Mm -hmm. And then they get into it and they're like, wait a minute, this isn't like sort of what it was pitched to be. This is not just a business, but now we're like the faces of these movements. So very complicated. And we get into sort of like the personal stories of like Michael Passons who got kicked out of Avalon and Nikki Leonti who got pregnant as a teen while she was in the industry and sort of what happens to them after the fact. Ugh, I mean, I am fascinated because i mean you you just kind of assume that these people know what their music is being used for or that they are the faces but i mean it makes sense like like it's so i mean at bare minimum you have a whole country who's listening to you and a whole country who can kind of use you and what you're singing about especially because it is christian coded um to do like send whatever message they want like that's crazy yeah and it's funny too because I grew up in such a bubble like I was not allowed to listen to secular music growing up and so you don't realize how much like this had even in pop culture like kiss me from six months was everywhere Reliant K was on mm-hmm. Warped Tour he dated Katy Perry for a while like it was very mainstream which is yeah. kind of wild to think about now I know Reliant K yeah, is the epitome of mainstream like that everybody knows who fucking reliant k is yeah some people think that they're badass if you grew up christian and some people think that they're just cute <laughs> like if you don't know christian. <laughs> it's funny because he was one of them where i was like i wonder if he'll do it like because they're still touring and making music mm-hmm. um and just so cool like showed up just like 
very unassuming by himself and was like, yeah, let's talk. I know. Semler just went on a little tour with them a while back. And I thought that was the most sick thing because then you get all these Christians. Do you know who Semler is? Yeah, so weird story. I used to work at a company called Pytown Productions that does like House Hunters and Flipper Flop with <laughs> Semler. She was trying to be a stand-up comedian at the time. And I was like an AP. She was a PA. Literally never talked about Christian music or anything. And then when she started going viral on TikTok, I texted her. I was like, wait, you're making Christian music? I didn't even know you grew up in it. But like we yeah. reconnected through this whole process and she's looped me in with a lot of people. But yeah, and we she's actually in the doc. Um, oh, sick. In, in I mean, three. perfect. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. And she did the song for the teaser that's out now too. Yes. So I loved watching some of the fallout from it, uh, mostly because she is just like, doesn't care. But people are like emailing Reliant K saying like, how could you? Like I brought my kids and you have this gay person on stage. I'm like, you guys are not paying attention to anything yeah we cover that in the doc because they actually got kicked off of a big tour after bringing her on tour with them just for like performing with the lesbian they then can't perform at these other christian festivals oh my gosh i (laughs) i can imagine that for them it's like okay like whatever i yeah like oh i can't even oh i don't even know where to start i just want to talk so much shit immediately (laughs) let it out (laughs) that's good uh well my biggest point of contention is that this music is not it's so rarely good like christian music is so rarely good and then they're on this like high horse that is i don't know like i love do you know plum um they just followed the instagram account actually I, i never grew up listening to them but i knew of them yeah so i only know the first album that uh she ever recorded she calls herself plum as an individual so i don't know how that works but okay and i had just put it on like i have a playlist that i listen to repeatedly i just put her whole album on because it was so nostalgic for me and the songs are good um and then i was having such like conviction about not knowing if she was affirming (laughs) wait that's when i started doing this doc when i was like who do i reach out to i'm like googling the name of the artist lgbtq affirming and then i'm like or are they in QAnon? <laughs> like yeah you, do, you don't know which way you're gonna go but i will say jennifer knapp's music holds up very mm-hmm. very well that first album the first two albums honestly like yeah. incredible reliant k holds up sixpence holds up mm-hmm. honestly crystal lewis has some bangers yeah we just did uh for a scene in the doc we did like a concert in nashville where a bunch of them came together and sang and she did sort of like jazz renditions of like Beauty Ooh. for Ashes. And it was like, people were sobbing. And then I will say Stacey Eureka, I she's the one Christian artist that I never stopped listening to. And yeah. so More to Life and Stuck, mm-hmm. strong enough, still really good. Well, they were in that like little time pocket, the one that you cover in the docu- documentary where like the music was good. Yeah. Let's talk about why you think that is before I express my opinions. I think, well, A, they were part of major labels at that point. So Mm -hmm. there was bigger budgets. But like for Plus One, their first album was written by Dark Child, who did Say My Name. And then David Foster, who did like all the Celine Dion songs. So like they brought in the A-listers. Yeah. And then I think the bands like Sixth Sense, Switchfoot, Reliant Cave were just like, 
Christian kids writing music that got signed. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was less of the like, almost like adult contemporary Christian music our parents listened to that mm-hmm. became really corny. Um, but I, I think probably there was more money at the time, which makes for better songs if you're not writing your songs. But then because there was a, a whole industry at that point, I imagine it's like any other industry, like the more competitive it gets, probably the better the songwriting gets. Yeah. Um, but like Jennifer Knapp, her story is interesting too, because she was never like raised in the church. She got like saved in college and they were like, oh, you write That's music, rough. you should do it for Jesus. And so she wrote it from like a reflective place versus a like, I'm struggling in the verse and I'm going to, God's going to save me in the chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, so it feels more authentic, maybe. Wait, what's yeah. your, th- what's your theory? I just think that that felt like, a, like, I can only equate it to like, that was the Beatles, like this revolution, like they revolutionized music. And then people started copying, like, it just all feels like a copy now. Like there's no originality. There's nothing new. Um, I feel like the music is stuck back then too. Yeah, there's a so there's a guy. He's like a radio promo guy. Chris Hauser is his name, and really cool guy in the industry. One of the it's been hard to get like industry experts to talk mm-hmm. on camera. Um, and he's helped a lot like on camera behind the scenes. But he sent me this list where it's basically like Christian music is like a three year delay from what's happening in pop music. Yes. And it's like back from like, um, who's the people that sing someday somebody's going to make you want to, you know, that song. Yes. The one in Bridesmaids. Uh, Why am I blanking on the name? Anyways, three years later, Point of Grace comes out. Mm -hmm. And then there's like, I don't know the timeline for this, but like Alanis Morissette, three years later, Jennifer Knapp comes out. Even now, Adele, three years later, Lauren Daigle comes out. So there is sort of like, oh, we see this thing. Let's find somebody, put out an album. And so it is kind of a, like a bit of a carbon copy. Yeah. And then they just copy themselves. It just feels very incestuous. And I don't, because I like good music. Like if the music was good, I feel like I would be more open to listening to. No, I'm not not that Christian anymore, but (laughs) But maybe. Well, it's it's funny. One of the reasons, um, I don't want to say it died because it's still making like a lot of money and they're still, Mm -hmm it's mainly more in the worship vein they're still like the lauren daigles of the world but essentially we get into there's this woman dr leah Payne, who's writing a book called god gave rock and roll to you that comes out in january there's like this whole bunch of like filmmakers and writers all taking on ccm right now which is interesting and we're all connected um but she talks a lot in the doc about sort of the importance of like the christian mom and the christian bookstore and so mm-hmm. all of the music that we listened to was marketed toward our parents. So those comparison charts of like, don't listen to Britney Spears, listen to Stacey Rico, were marketed toward our moms. So once streaming came in, then parents can't keep secular music away from kids. You can get it on your phone or you can get it on a computer. And so I think that's also sort of why it died, but also probably why we're not yeah. listening to it anymore because they never really got it down to be able to like, fully marketed towards teens yeah there were a couple programs there's one called interlink that still exists that it's essentially like the dvds and the like vhs's they would send to youth groups and so if you could get your song in interlink they would write like a bible study to go with it so you have like an emotional connection to the music and so those songs would become hits so that was like kind of genius marketing for teens but 
from what I found, the majority of it was directed at the mom. And they even have, they have a name for her. She's called Becky. And she's yeah, a white she evangelical is. woman. She has two kids, um, a boy and a girl. And so, and like some of these radio stations are even like, Becky's on her second marriage. And she watches this movie and she does this, like they have her ID'd. And so yeah. everything on radio and bookstores marketed to Becky. But so once streaming comes, Becky can't protect the family anymore. <laughs> so yeah. here we are. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm so glad that I did not have a Becky mom. My mom is just not, I don't know. She's like very fashionable and like very interior designy cool oh, okay. for moms. Yeah. But my dad, like, because his family, like they grew up in the church and they grew up being musicians, but they wanted to be good musicians. Um, And so he would only listen to good music. And I only had a short period of my time as a child where I couldn't listen to secular music. Okay. But also at that point, it was because, let me tell you why this was. This is a very Latin church. My mom went to some prophet night or whatever where a prophet came. And they said that they had a dream where Michael Jackson was burning in hell. And so we couldn't listen to Michael Jackson. And I like in my house, we loved Michael Jackson. My dad came to America in the 80s. He had the long hair. He was like a little Christian rebel guy. Like he loved Michael Jackson. Um, So I was fortunate in that I could listen to pretty much whatever but i mean i'm still stuck in classic rock though like i'm such a dad uh i was gonna sing a bob marley song at my wedding for my partner like i am such a dad when it comes to music um because i feel like i was just so heavily influenced by my dad but yeah he was <laughs> he still is i mean my dad recorded a little album with his brothers he's so cute oh that's so cool and- it's not good though. I okay. <laughs> You're like, actually take that back. No, it's funny. So we were almost on the other spectrum of it where Christian music was worldly for us. Yeah. And so it would be like, oh, I don't know about that. Like, let me gut- check that with focus on the family. And then focus I sort of pushed the, the envelope with my family. Cause like, I remember Stacey Rico's first album. I think she's wearing like a spaghetti strap in one of the album photos. Oh, and my so mom you guys was like, were... Ooh, oh, that was okay. worldly. And then right. Walk to Remember came out. Oh, and God. that was like, first of all, that soundtrack, one of the best of all time, still holds um, up. Amazing. But because it was like Switchfoot and Rachel Lampa, I convinced my mom Mandy Moore was a Christian singer. And so that was like my first crossover album. And then. Wait, you wouldn't bought... want to listen to Switchfoot? No, I could because of a walk to remember. Oh, okay, okay. But then Mandy Moore, we were like, she's a Christian mom. Look at it. She's in this movie. And so she's got this album sleeve with like a super low cut revealing oh, yeah. mm-hmm. top. And it's like Sharpie didn't <laughs> like my mom was like, you're not looking at that, which like maybe it worked a little too much. Um, and then like, I could listen oh. to destiny's child cause they had the gospel medley, but same idea. They had like Sharpie yeah. didn't turtlenecks. <laughs> so- yeah. I definitely convinced my mom that Hillary Duff was a Christian. So we could listen to her metamorphosis <laughs> album, which I mean, in Disney channel days back then it was so easy. Cause everybody had to kind of be Christian coded in some way. So it was just yeah. like, Mom, Hillary Duff. Well, and that is, we get into this in the doc too, actually, because part of the, there's like three reasons Christian music isn't what it used to be, which is like streaming the worship movement. Mm -hmm. But then the comparison charts of like, don't listen to Britney Spears, listen to Stacey Rico, don't work as much when Stacey Rico is number one on the pop charts. And then also sort of these themes of like purity and stuff that were like just for Christian music when Hillary Duff and the Jonas Brothers and Demi Lovato are saving themselves to marriage, then it's harder for Christian parents to be like, don't listen to these people in the mainstream when they're sort of spewing the same stuff. Yeah. Um, 
So that Hillary Duff, she worked it. <laughs> Good for oh her. My gosh. I remember when the Jonas Brothers had their puberty ring phase and all the little girls at my church. We didn't do True Love Waits because I don't think it hit big in the Assemblies of God Latin church. Okay. <laughs> or at least Good not in you. my hood as church. You. Yeah. <laughs> but um, like everybody, it was the thing to get like a little Tiffany purity ring. And I remember just thinking it was such bullshit at the time. I was like, I don't like expensive things. I'm I'm a down to earth kind of girl. <laughs> I also grew up poor, so that wasn't gonna happen. And it was just so wild that they like they specific oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. So I live in Southern California. Um, and they do Harvest Fest every year. Harvest Fest? Harvest Crusade. Yes. Um, at the Angel Stadium. And one year they did like an Easter day, like an Easter harvest fest, because it's usually during the summer. And the Jonas Brothers were playing. So my parents, like, you had to get, like, it was through Saddleback this time or something. I don't know. I'm hazy on the details. Turns out the Chris, Chris Warren? Rick Warren. Oh, Rick Warren. He was friends with the Jonas Brothers. So they came to play their normal-ass Jonas Brothers songs at the Angel Stadium Easter service. And all my little friends were, like, so excited. And I was I was so righteously indignant. I was like, how could you? Like, this is not. <laughs> We're supposed to be Christian. in the world and not of it. Yeah. And for me, it was less like religiosity and more like, this is not the message. Like, what are we doing? Like, this is actually. <laughs> Meanwhile, confused. the Jonas Brothers music is so wholesome. <laughs> I know. <It's> like... <laughs> and it was they in the area. Re- <laughs> Where he was oh, like just... singing that song about like having type one diabetes. <laughs> I was feeling so bad for you. But they just re-recorded a Switchfoot song. Like they were <gasps> deep in it. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, That's Switchfoot. So funny. Yeah. Oh, my dad was so disappointed when they came out and said that we're not a Christian band. We're just people in a band who happen to be Christian. And he was so distraught. And I was like, Dad. It's funny because every artist that was in a band in the documentary, I would I like I'm like what kind of questions would you get asked by the Christian press? And every single person was like, are you a Christian band or are you Christians in a band? And then apparently like the people within the industry would be like, when you're crossing over, do you carry the crossover? <laughs> so there's all these like. <laughs> I'm so mad. At- I've never heard that. That's so stupid. It's so funny. There's all these like, there's like Jesus per minute. Jesus is my boyfriend songs. Like all, all this mm-hmm. like Christian music lingo is so fun. Mm-hmm. Do you know of Jump 5? Do I know of Jump 5? <laughs> I saw Jump 5 on tour with 18s and Bob. Yeah, oh yeah, and you my did. Mom, and my mom made us leave early because the 18s were showing midriff. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, it's funny i almost reached out to them for this if you you should check out their youtube channel because the two brother like the brother and the sister duo are still riding that jump five train it's oh very it's funny <laughs> oh no i always thought that they were i remember when they had their song on the lilo and stitch movie yeah it was like a big deal like oh my it was a good big deal like oh my gosh jump five is mainstream but in a very normal way, in a mm-hmm. Christian way. And it's like, okay, whatever. I could talk about all these stupid little bands that keep coming up in my head forever. But, oh my uh, God. What was their, I think they did a Beauty and the Beast cover that I loved. Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. then God, God Bless the USA. Oh, that was that. my, <laughs> I don't know. This is back when patriot, being patriotic was not the antithesis of life. 
but the, I would, I was always assigned at like, we would have huge music events at this church that I went to. And for church in the hood, it was pretty dope. And I would always, cause we would, everybody would sing the national anthem of their country. Cause we had different Latin countries represented yeah. in the congregation. And I always sang the star spangled banner. And at the end, God bless America, the jump five, like track. <laughs> You go to the seat, like the store, and buy the CD with just the track. Uh, so you could you do it as special music. That's so yep. funny. And my dad always had to play the one with the harmonies to make it pop. You know, to make it. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's so, so funny. I remember it being such a scandal because one of the girls left, and then oh yeah, they, they brought in a different one, and she didn't work out. Yeah, well, aren't they like all related? Aren't they all brothers and sisters or I think neighbors? Two of them are, and then I'm pretty sure one. I probably shouldn't speculate about somebody's sexuality, but I'm pretty sure one of them is gay. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> so, um, and then one of them, because I've literally researched all Christian music at this point. Yeah, you like, did. One of them is like a Botox expert in Nashville. So like I just thought injecting it would be, or like an yeah, influencer. Oh, like shit. she's like the person that injects. So I thought it would be so fun to go to her for a botox appointment just... hey girl i know you no you keep me spinning around bad. <laughs> i actually think i sang a jump five song at a oh my god why did i do this my life is so embarrassing i sang a jump five song for a talent show in my public middle school in los angeles <laughs> county it, that's so embarrassing I'm like, thank God I was homeschooled at that age because I would have definitely gotten bullied (laughs) because I would have done the same thing. (laughs) Oh my gosh, you were homeschooled. So you're like real Christian. I was homeschooled till eighth grade because they taught evolution in public schools. Mm. And then we went to Christian school for a year and then it shut down. (laughs) So (laughs) (laughs) then we homeschooled again? Yeah, well, then we went to public school. But um, yeah, just to witness, you know. (laughs) What was that transition like? Off topic, but still. You know, it's funny. It was actually weird, like weirdly social. Like none of my teachers ever knew I was homeschooled because I talked too much. Um, but you, it, like you, I can always, even in college or like even at work now, I can like point out like, oh, you were homeschooled. Nobody has ever pointed that out for me, thankfully. <laughs> so, yeah, but I'm I wasn't like a cool kid. I was in show choir. It wasn't like, you know oh I mean? my <laughs> I feel like if my school had had a show choir, I would have been in show choir. Oh, it was a good time. But but I did get kicked out of jazz choir for being, because I was in marching band. And I guess the band kids and the choir kids hate each other as a rule. And so, like, nobody in this choir knew how to read music. And I was such a bitch about it. I was like, ugh, because they were trying to teach us in the jazz choir how to read music so you could sight sing. And I was like, oh, I'm so bored. I already know this. I already can do this. I'm such a dick. Oh my Wait, God, it is funny though, because I always hated the kids that were also in band. I'm like, you've yeah. got to you've got to pick. It's like by erasure. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, yeah. You can't be both. <laughs> exactly. I was so obstinate that at one point I remember at a football game we were singing the national anthem and I went to sing it in my marching band uniform. Like I was fully Wow. Yeah. But my hair was curled and I didn't wear the ugly hat. And I was just so, because I was cute. They were like Power Rangers. Oh, Wait, that's funny because the band kids at my school were all big Reliant K fans. That really? Was like, that was like the criteria. You wore one of those like checkered belts. Remember those? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Vans and you listened to Reliant K. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. That would have been the, the Warp Tour heyday, as I yeah. call it. Yeah, no, the band kids and 
they were into the saxophone guy song the na, 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 that little riff that they from uh careless whisper that the sax guy was oh that's okay, such a niche to... band yeah. joke yeah no that's mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> yeah. i was trying to pretend like i know it i know <laughs> no it's just the beginning of the the sax solo at the beginning of careless whisper from the 80s and it became a youtube meme because some guy played it shirtless and then all the saxophone players just played it on repeat every single fucking oh day. that's funny see and we were listening to like wicked <laughs> oh wicked yeah i remember singing wicked in choir that was pretty intense anyways enough nerd talk let's nerd out about christian music <laughs> back to why we're here <laughs> i know exactly so what is like the biggest thing that you're learning now with the documentary like you as the filmmaker what is the the thing that has surprised you the most i guess it's cool to see just where all the artists are at today with just sort of their relationship to christian music and christianity um yeah I would say like, it's like 70% are like deconstructed and like going through that. And then maybe like 30% are just like atheist or atheist adjacent kind of just like, I mean, I think Derek Webb, I don't know if you know from Cademan's Mm -hmm. call, he's really cool, but he um, had a couple quotes that have sort of become like the thesis of the movie. But one is he's like, they say the marriage of art and commerce is a tricky marriage. I think the marriage of art, commerce, and religion is a dangerous marriage. And not many people survive it. And it. But it is sort of true where it's like you get into this industry thinking it's a ministry with like mm-hmm. wide eyes thinking like this is a calling. I'm going to share the gospel. And then it's like, no, this is a business at the end of the yeah. day. That's also closely aligned with conservative politics. So that that was interesting. And then it's honestly weirdly been kind of healing because I have like in my day-to-day life, I don't like look back at like contemporary Christian music yeah, much um, or like even that time in my life. And so I think it's cool to even know, right? Like Nate Cole from Plus One was like my first crush sort of before I even knew I was gay. I got in trouble in youth group because of course he, he, held, was. Oh. he held my hand at the concert and I was like, I'm not going to watch <gasps> it. And then this lady from church <gasps> sat me down and she was like, God has placed it on my heart to let you know that you're idolizing plus one. And like, your only idol is supposed to be God. <laughs> but then like, we just shared an Airbnb in Nashville for this concert we're doing and like talked for hours, just like really cool guys. So that's been kind of fun just to know. Cause like you do kind of wonder as like a queer person or anybody that's like not yeah super evangelical anymore to look back and be like, what do these people really think now? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's been cool just to like get to know them. Um, And then I think it's been interesting to just sort of see also one of the things is like, I always thought it was like, if you are not following the strict set of rules, like straight white Christian following these things, we're going to kick you out. That's actually not the norm. There's a lot more cover up Mm -hmm. than there is kicking out. So it's just sort of like, if you get caught, you're pushed out. But yeah. there are, I've learned, a lot of gay songwriters in Nashville still working, still in the closet. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really problematic people. And then there's also just a lot of people that are like in their day-to-day life affirming people, but are so afraid to speak out. And I I, I think that's almost the most dangerous thing, right? Is it's like the silent people. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of them that are like, and even if you talk to Semler, she'll say, a lot of these people are in my DMs being like, we support you. I just can't do it in public. Ugh. 
at that point, I mean, not to be a bitch, but I'm just like, okay, well, don't tell me. I don't need to know. That's yeah. so annoying. Like, leave me alone. And then. I guess it's and it's interesting too to look at it because like Crystal Lewis and I have talked a lot about this, where she's like, streaming pays the bills, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like you get it, and this isn't her that said this, but you get it from a financial place where it's like, if I speak out about this, that does affect my bottom line. And if I'm a parent with kids, like there are some stakes to speaking out. And so I'm not saying that it's right, like a hundred percent you should speak out, but like, it does put it in perspective a little bit that like, there is still that like conservative audience does have such a foothold on everyone in that industry. Yeah. And even if it doesn't affect your bottom line, you don't really want to to like, I mean, it will, but you don't really want to deal with those people anyways, because they're so rude. Like, (laughs) yeah. But they're the only ones really probably still actively listening (laughs) to the music. So, yep. This actually touches on a little bit of like, I just had a conversation with somebody who's doing music research where he is like looking into music that has God in it. So like any mention of God, yeah. So we talked about like the 1975 song, If I Believe You, and like Aerosmith and all these other things. And just like, I remember we were talking about like, I always thought it was so weird that the musicians in churches and Christian spaces hold so much authority when they're just the fucking kid that happened to love learning how to play the guitar. Yeah. Like they have no, like, you're looking to this person for theological affirmation, but they don't know what the fuck is going on. They well, just have to play yeah. the music. And that's, well, honestly, we cover that in the movie because a lot of them were like, I'm musically talented. This is, if you're raised in this environment, this is the path you take to get there. And then it's like, we want these people to have a, exactly that, a theological opinion and everything. And these are almost like saints, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like, you've got to live sinless lives. You can't make mistakes. You are the authority on everything. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm 19, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and I think when when I was making this, I think, you could easily go down the the whole of like the dark side of CCM and what they would cover up. And I wanted to make sure we're telling just like a human story. So I think the goal is not to be divisive right. and also for it not to be some sort of theological debate. Like I'm not interested in making that movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm yeah. qualified to make that movie. Um, and so I just wanted to like tell the story of like, these are human beings this is what happens when you put this pressure of politics and religion on a person that's just trying to do good nine Mm -hmm. times out of 10, it does not turn out good for them. Right. I mean, look at the chicks. Yeah. They they said, fuck Bush. And all of a sudden, (laughs) well, it's interesting because even within Christian music, I like compare Amy Grant to the chicks a lot because like Mm -hmm. the way you hear country artists talk about the chicks is the way you hear Christian artists talk about Amy Grant, where it was like, look at what happened to her with her divorce. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen to me if I'm a pregnant teen or what's going to happen to me if I'm a queer person or if, if mm-hmm. I get caught with a glass of wine, <laughs> like something that Ugh. small. Yeah. But I mean, it had, because she got divorced, it had an impact on her career and getting booked on yeah. tours. And so, which is I mean, just even recently, wild. Amy Grant did the gay wedding or I don't know if she officiated or attended but she I had like she, a rainbow yeah on. it was like her nieces got yeah. married yeah and that was a huge deal and i was like bro amy grant is too old for this okay like right. not that she's elderly but like we're all too old for this you're too yeah, old for exactly. this <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> i cannot handle it oh Ugh. it's crazy it really is i know and i i have to find myself frustrated because i grew up being a musician i wouldn't consider myself a musician now because i only play four chords 
on a keyboard on a church on Sunday. So it's not like, oh, I use that transpose little thing. You know? <laughs> I'm not playing no sharps or flats. What the fuck? <laughs> but like, yeah, like we stand up there and in my church, like we're kind of, we're, we're so progressive. It's ridiculous. So I don't feel that pressure. Although I do work at the church. I feel that pressure in different ways. But I just remember being a kid, being 10 years old and having to like be self-conscious because I didn't speak in tongues, like because I wasn't holy enough, but I was a leader in the church because I was singing the fucking song. And I was like, it's not my fault. You can't sing. Well, I would always get annoyed when they were like, God spoke to me last night. And I'm like, he's never told me shit. Exactly. And they like, and I heard him and I'm like, I haven't, he's never like said anything to me. Mm -hmm. And then also a weirdly like pivotal, this is going to sound cheesy, but like, pivotal moment in sort of my relationship with it all is I was at a Kelly Clarkson concert because after oh. Mandy after Mandy Moore we got Jessica Simpson then Kelly Clarkson in my home yeah another and other people we convinced people were Christian yes um her musical director also used to be in Sonic Flood weirdly also you know part of the Christian music world wow. um oh, I love Sonic Flood but I had I was at a Kelly Clarkson concert and and got sort of that same emotional feeling that I got during worship at mm-hmm. church mm-hmm. and that was like kind of a, like an eye-opening moment to me where I was like oh music is just powerful and can do yeah. this like doesn't have to be in this one setting yep I know like I remember the first time I cried to classical music being played live and I felt like such a fraud. I was like, this should not. I just felt, because it's post-deconstruction too, or like at the beginning of it. And I was just like, this is bullshit. Like, why am I crying? Why am I so emotionally affected by this? This is not like what I was used to. I was used to being emotionally affected by Christian music. And I was like, oh, yeah. I can I can feel the humanity in a song, even if it isn't Christian, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It just, it's so, it's universal, right? Like the words to your stu- oh. Have you heard the song Waymaker? No. It's a new worship song. I fucking hate this song. (laughs) Um, And everybody loves it. It's like people think it's like Oceans 2.0. And I'm like, these words are stupid. Like, I can't move past the fact that these words are super fucking stupid. And if it wasn't for the music behind any of these songs, none of this would succeed. Because this is just not good yeah well and then also they have a built-in audience so it's like if any other songwriter writes a song they don't have a church of five thousand three thousand people singing along so like it kind of feels like cheating (laughs) as a songwriter yeah well how has the worship music affected all this i know this is one of your big points so that sort of came in i think a lot of people credit hillsong a lot of the artists i would say credit slash blame third day and delirious a little bit but apparently Third Day used to do altar calls at their concerts. Oh, God. Also a big point of contention with CCM artists. The majority of them did not like doing altar calls because that's mm-hmm. sort of like, probably everybody listening to your podcast knows that. But like the difference between CCM and worship is like CCM, you sing to each other. Worship, you sing like vertically to God. But they would still do the altar calls. And so they were apparently begging their label to let them put out a worship album. And the label was like, no, that's not going to sell. Like, that's not what Christian music is. And they were like, come on, let us put us, let us put it out. And so the label was like, fine, we're not going to like throw a lot of marketing into this, but we'll put this into the machine, into the Christian bookstores. And it right. went like insanely viral. And so I that mean, was I like, like third day shit. I mean, oh, well, that, Mac Powell has an amazing yeah. voice. Um, <laughs> but so that 
went viral and then that was around the time delirious was coming in and so then it was like everybody needs a christian or needs a worship album so then like rebecca st james puts one out jackie valeska's puts one out avalon is now avalon worship Mm -hmm. and then hillsong was happening around that time michael w smith's worship album so then the other part of it is like you as cd sales are going down you can make money for licensing your worship music Mm -hmm. in church so like I think as the industry, they like to say it's like God moving through, but it's like, there's also a financial incentive to write a worship song as your CD sales are declining. Yeah. I, as somebody who goes to a little church, licensing songs to play them on Sunday kind of pisses me off, but I get it, I guess. Um, Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Cause like, do you guys have to pay like a licensing fee at the small church or how does that work? Yeah, like, so we, and we have to have two because the hymns and the regular worship songs are not on the same fucking, yeah, and it's expensive, like, and, I mean, you you have to have it to post on YouTube or you can get in trouble and it's just like a whole mess, which feels like, aren't you making enough money off of album sales? Like, you're charging, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. None of my business, I guess. I have to pay it anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Here we are. But yeah, so that was sort of like worship was happening as CD sales were Mm -hmm. declining, um, as streaming comes in. So yeah, I mean that makes sense. All of I'm just realized that all of my Spotify is gonna be just fucking worship songs from having to listen to the ones I have to play on Sunday. That's so embarrassing. We need to uh, reconnect usually... at the end of this year and compare Spotify raps. It's just like... For real. Most years, the top is just like the Beatles and then it's uh, Ella Fitzgerald or something like that because I just listened to the, the classic rock, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, last year, Hillsong United was in my top and I was like, oh no, I can't post this online. <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't post it. I was so embarrassed. They're like, she is a Carl Lentz apologist. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> What do you think the future is from here on forward? Like, do you think it's just going to stick to the same old bullshit that it is now? It's interesting if you talk to, it, it depends on who you talk to, right? If you talk to people in the industry, even like the cool progressive ones, they'll say two things. A lot of people that own like Christian radio, there's this company, Salem Media, owned by these like super far right conservatives. They bought CCM Magazine. They bought all of like conservative talk radio, I think like a hundred or something Christian radio stations. So they're sort of gatekeeping, right? Anyone from outside from coming in. So some people will blame them. Some people will blame the audience and say, the audience isn't going to listen to queer artists or artists of color. And so there's sort of that, like, are we blaming the gatekeepers or are we blaming the audience? A lot of the artists we grew up listening to never liked the term Christian artist. They just wanted to make art and make music. So that's like the switch foot of it all. But then it's interesting to see like the Semlers and the Flamey Grants of the world that are like, no, I'm going to carry this title of Christian artist. You're not going to stop me. And they're doing it independently. They're not, their numbers are nowhere near like a Lauren Daigle number. So like hard to say if that's gonna really break through. I think money talks. So if more of them keep making more money and getting sort of like they get like the mainstream press Mm -hmm. then maybe there's hope for change one of the other things that we haven't really talked about this yet but like is sort of like the christian versus gospel of it all 
Oh yeah. And so oh, like yes. Christian music as a category is defined by its lyrics, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you're black and then it's categorized as gospel, mm-hmm. even if you're working with the same producers and the same songwriters. And so like, there's examples of like out of Eden, Mary, Mary, Kirk Franklin, who like break through. But if you look at the like mainstream charts in the nineties had become pretty integrated in terms of race, like there was hip hop, there was all types mm-hmm. of things in the pop charts. If you look at the CCM charts, there's somewhere around like, I don't have the number in front of me, but like 95, 96% white, mm-hmm. despite the fact that the music is hip hop, it's rock, it's whatever. And so uh, one of the artists, Chanel Haynes, who was in Trinity 5-7, who was sort of like the Christian Destiny's child, actually, they were mm-hmm. managed by Matthew Knowles for a hot second. <laughs> but but she talks a lot about that saying like the difference between Christian and gospel is it's black and it's white. Mm-hmm. And I think historically it used to be like Southern gospel and black gospel, but as it became more mainstream, every genre and every sound is on the Christian charts. It's just like the race of the artist is white. Yeah. It's so true. Like I, I think that's why Jackie Velasquez is such a big deal in my house because she was singing in English and in Spanish. Yeah. The whole Selena vibe. And then Luckily, my parent, my dad was really into gospel because that music is just like the musicianship on that isn't so oh, incredible. Yeah. But I remember growing up and finding out that Kirk Franklin had a huge controversies with white people. Like, were you a no Kirk Franklin house? I think my parents were too conservative to even know about. We knew about Amy Grant, but like to know about that Christian <laughs> like yeah. controversy, that was like it would have been like, oh, it sounds too worldly, but I don't think we knew yeah. about the scandals. I mean, I think it, uh, the biggest thing was that he, it was worldly. I mean, it was reflective of the Black experience. I don't yeah. really know, but I don't remember. But I, I, my dad had no idea about any of that. He just loved the gospel sounds. And we played yeah. a lot of that. It's really easy to also like let, Latinify those songs. Like you just yeah. had a little riff or whatever and it's very latin um well it's interesting too because if you even look like the history of rock and roll was taken from the black church so it's like white people took it from the black church and then Mm -hmm. white christians took it from white secular people to then claim it to then leave black people out (laughs) like it's like Mm -hmm. very messed up yeah because even like worship or not worship music but like christian music in spanish was very disconnected from c i mean it wasn't even on the same wavelength like you never had them interact which is weird because yeah. like other than probably jackie have... velasquez right yeah and she was kind of like the only one but she Ooh. got canceled in oh Christian yeah music did. for chasing poppy oh i my parents never let me watch that movie but i wanted to watch oh, it i was i don't know why i was allowed to watch that this is a fun fact she was rooming with Katy perry when really? she made chasing poppy yeah <gasps> yeah when my, Kate, she was Katie Hudson at the yeah. time, I think. But yeah, yeah. My parents never stopped me from listening to her. Thank God, because I mean, she came back. She came back to the fold, so it was fine. But oh, I need to watch that movie now. I just, I've, I've like relived all. I just rewatched it a couple weeks ago. Oh, it's hold fun. up. It's it's so wholesome. It's like a Disney Channel movie. You're like, she got canceled for this. <laughs> like, oh it's the yeah. most wholesome movie you've ever seen. And then she recorded a, like a secular-ish album in Spanish, which yeah. is a bop. I love them all. Can't okay. Yeah. So it holds up. 
Um, the editor of the movie is a Colombian woman. And so she didn't grow up around CCM, but she knew Jackie Velasquez. And she was like so excited when I was like, no, she was a Christian artist. She was like, no way. Yeah. But isn't that crazy? Like a lot of people in Latin America, now with the internet, it's all whatever. But my family was on the forefront of all things music because they listened to Hillsong and they would translate the songs before there was official translations. Oh, interesting. But it was like not, yeah, like it was so not available to people who were not white necessarily. And yeah, now I think about it, I can't think of anybody that's really like not white. And there is, this is, um, yeah. you got to read Leah Payne's book when it comes out, but she talks about where the Christian bookstores were in mm-hmm. the U.S. were in white communities. Yep. So it was all like, it's hard to just blame a couple people because it's so ingrained in American culture, which is white and racist. Mm-hmm. Um, but so like historically and still today is just marketed toward white people, even through like the neighborhoods the bookstores were in. Mm-hmm. Luckily, we don't have to worry about that anymore. They're all failing and closing, yeah. so it's great. <laughs> Fuck you. Thank God. <laughs> I know. Ugh. Although, my dad, we live by a Calvary Chapel here in Downey, California, which used to be a very white neighborhood and now is, according to the LA Times, the Latin Beverly Hills. That's oh, where fun. Downey is. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's just ugly-ass houses. Like, <laughs> The Greco-Roman style with the giant metal doors. Like, that's pretty much Downey. It's got it. fucking gaudy. Um, and he would just walk on in there whenever he wanted a new CD. And was like, oh, this one looks great. And, oh, and they sell CDs at the Calvary Chapel? Yeah. Most Calvary Chapels have, like, a cute little gift oh. shop. Well, the bigger ones, anyway, yeah. Oh, I one love that. One in is pretty big. Um, I don't. I don't love that. <laughs> no. I didn't used to love, though. There was, like, going to a Christian bookstore where, like, you have to put on the headphones to preview the albums like that was Mm -hmm. an experience the cute bibles that your parents would never buy you because you already had one yeah and i'm like this is a jennifer knapp bible (laughs) i need it (laughs) this one's about adventure i'm I'm an adventure girl i need the rock climbing bible (laughs) never rock climbed in my life (laughs) i always wanted the adventure girl bible but i was too afraid to ask for it (laughs) I'm glad you know exactly what Bible I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> my sister had it and I would like read it in secret. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. This is when I was in a Baptist church after my parents' church. Um, so everybody, when they graduated from high school, got a Bible um, as they were entering into the college kids group yeah and i remember all the boys got like the cool esv study bible and it was big and beautiful and i was friends with all these guys and so when it came my turn to get my bible i got a cute pink and brown bible with my name on the front in gold and i was already at that point not a pink girl with a floral mandala looking thing in the front and i was like oh thanks what i really wanted was you know the the cool study bible like all the guys because i'm serious about my faith but let's just great thanks thanks for going the extra mile at the christian bookstore for me (laughs) i think i had a salty bible and then i had an adventures and odyssey bible um see adventures and odyssey i missed that that did not hit in latin america that was not oh you're lucky though because it it was like james dobson i'm scared to go it's funny my sister 
or maybe my brother, one of my siblings is like going to play it for their kids. And I was like, please don't. <laughs> like, don't. Well, that's scary. James Dobson. Yeah, let's not. Well, as we finish off the interview, which is great, we have to, when the movie actually comes out, you're going to have to come back so we could talk about all the bullshit that people are saying about it. Cause I'm sure. Oh my be- God. Yes, please. Yeah. Oh, we're so the teaser, fest. when does this come, come out? This will be next Wednesday. Okay. So the teaser is officially out. Um, I'm interested to see the re- the reception. It's, I mean, I, and I think the main point is like, we are not trying to be divisive. We're trying to tell human mm-hmm. stories. Not everyone's going to love those human stories because they're right. about people on the margins and queer people and, but it's not some sort of like, it's not a take on Christianity at all. It's just like what happens with real people. But um, yeah, I would love to come back <laughs> and tell you yes. everything. Oh my gosh. Well, plug away. Tell the people where they can find all the things. Um, so safefortheholefamilyfilm.com. We just launched a GoFundMe to help us with finishing funds for the movie. I would say we're like 85% done filming. So we're in edit and then we're going to take it through the film festival circuit in 2024 we're safe for the whole family on tiktok instagram facebook and then twitter because elon musk won't let you have that many characters it's ccm superstar <laughs> but follow along for updates oh my gosh twitter now known as x or whatever x, yeah <laughs> on x ccm superstar <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you so much for coming on this has been i am so excited to watch this i mean i've seen the teaser or you know so i'm i'm stoked i'm excited about it (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you (sighs) all right friends well as always well sorry what were you gonna say oh i was just saying thank you for having me that was it you do do your exit (laughs) go thanks (laughs) thank you (laughs) so you can find us on speaking in church on instagram Instagram. You can find me at Josie Takes the World, where it's boring and just my puppies. You can see the shave that I gave my dog before this podcast. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, it's it's rough. It's rough. Um, and we have a tip jar online, link in bio. We have merch. We have all the good things that podcasts have, except for Discord, because I don't know how to use that shit, and I'm not gonna learn. I don't. I don't know. Text me. I don't care. Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I'm old. Um, all right, friends. Well, as always, stay woke or get woke, please. Okay, bye. <laughs> this has been an irreverent media podcast.